Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. It's time for the playoffs. It's time to decide who's going to Vegas. Will it be Baltimore, Miami, Kansas City, or Buffalo coming out of the AFC? Is it going to be San Francisco, Dallas, Detroit even coming out of the NFC? Pick your two conference champions, parlay it, and remember, get your 50% welcome bonus on that first parlay using our promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, when you use the link in the description to this episode at BetOnline Sportsbook. Bet online where the game starts. I am super excited because we finally have the return of our friend Razor Rosenthal for the NFL playoffs. I'm stoked. I hope you are stoked. My boy Patrick Mahomes is going against your beloved Buffalo Bills for the third time in the playoffs. It's going to be amazing. Razor, how are you doing? My first question is, uh, how did how did the end of bowl season treat you? Because the last time we spoke, we were kind of right smack in the middle of bowl season and uh, we were coming around to the playoff. How did bowl season end up treating you? Yeah, bowl season was pretty good. I would say the end of the bowl season treated me really well. I uh, had a really big play on Michigan Moneyline over the Washington Huskies. Just felt like Michigan had the massive edge on both the offensive and defensive uh, line, and I think that's what, what it really came down to. It. I feel like McCarthy had a little bit more time than Penix. Uh, worked out very well. Uh, final four bets uh, went uh, one and one. I uh, took uh, Michigan Moneyline. Uh, actually, I would say two and one sprinkled Washington plus the points and took Texas on the money line. So really a wash right there in the final four uh, other games. I I, uh, I I lost my Penn State bet. I think I mentioned that on the last show we had is I kind of like Penn State in these spots. And boy, was I wrong. Uh, you know, James Franklin was James Franklin. Franklin is that that's even a word, uh, you know, in that bowl game just couldn't matriculate the offense. But other bowl games went pretty well. Uh, around New Year's Day. I can't complain there, Kyle. I would say the NFL has been a little bit more troublesome for me so far in the playoffs. Didn't have a great playoff weekend last weekend, but um, you know, we, we, we made it up uh, down under. Uh, as some of your listeners may know, uh, Australian Open is going on right now. So that's, uh, that's a big specialty of mine. Yeah, I'm excited to hear some of your Australian Open thoughts as well because uh, you are you are truly a tennis expert. If people do want to follow Razor on Twitter, he's got all of the tennis expertise and insights going on, and this is their first major of the year. Um, I'm curious what ended up being the the most surprising result for you last week because it felt like a lot of the results were chalk. I mean, unless you had big money on Dallas. Trying to think of what the, but it was just five of the six games were total blowouts. And then you had the, the Rams lions game, which was, you know, relatively close, a coin toss game, but one that the lions ended up coming through at the end. What, what was a bit of a a loss for you last week? Yeah. And you, you already nailed it. You know, I had the Cowboys uh, married with a couple money line parlays that came home and Dallas did not come home. So that's what, that's what hurt my units overall. You know, the Detroit money line was, was a winner. You know, Buffalo was tied into a couple parlays with other other things that I can't recall. Maybe an Australian Open player was tied in with the Buffalo Bills on Monday. But yeah, I mean, Dallas 
Dallas was crippling. And I think uh, the books just really cleaned house on, I would say, um, what, what could have been, what should have been, I, I felt like a good result with Dallas, whether they covered the number or not. If we rewind back to, you know, Saturday, would I do it all over again? I don't know. Maybe not because it's Dallas, you know, it's Mike McCarthy. But um, I, I think that, you know, it was an irresponsible play now that looking back on it, because if you look at the history of the Dallas Cowboys in the playoffs, it's pretty gross, although they have gone through some round one games over the last few years. Obviously, last year, you know, going down to Raymond James Stadium and, and winning that winning that game against Tampa. But, uh, yeah, the, the Dallas Cowboys crippled me and crippled, I'm sure, a ton of people, um, whether they took them at minus seven and a half or eight or on the money line. I was a victim of uh, money line parlays with Dallas tied in. So. That, that, that just hurts your units. And, uh, you know, this is, this is gambling and yes, you know, you're not going to win them all and we move on and just continue our path to try to compete in the uh, final eight this, this weekend. Yeah. And I feel like if the Cowboys were the team that let you down for the most part, that's kind of a, a good process, bad results kind of move because this was the, I think the best of the three Dallas teams when it came to the, the 12 and five 2021, the 12 and five last year and the 12 and five this year, this was the one that was supposed to advance furthest in the playoffs. The NFC was basically wide open for them. I mean, they would have, they would have had to play the lions this week if they had won, but they had already beaten the lions and you know, their, their defense was supposed to be top of the league and 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 the the funniest part is if you just take away the two bad interceptions that led to touchdowns, Dallas was in that game at the end because they came storming back with all those points against the the crappy Packer defense. It was just they got down so big so early that it was just physically impossible to pull themselves out of the hole. If they had only if they had not thrown the Jair Alexander interception in their own red zone or the, the Darnell Savage pick six, which was just a terrible read, terrible throw, just awful across the board. If you just take away those two gigantic mistakes, I mean, it's it's a closer game and they have a chance of winning it at the end. It's just they got down so big so early that it was just never a contest. And, and that's going to happen sometimes. It's just something that nobody had on their bingo cards was 27-0 Packers in the second quarter of that game. Yeah, I felt pretty good if it, it, you know, if it was going to be 20 to seven at the half, you know, I was very, very uh, upset and obviously not, not too thrilled about the 20 zero result. But I said to myself, Hey, listen, we're going to get the ball back. We just need to score here and let's just walk away from the half down 13. Let's get to middle of the third quarter down by six. And you got to feel pretty good with that Dallas bet. Let's say it was 20 to 14 and there's about nine minutes to go in the third quarter. Live bet would probably have the Dallas money line at minus 110. So you got to feel pretty good about that if they're only down six with nine to go. I think that that the books should probably have them even money to win the contest. And that, that, that pick six was devastating. It was crippling. And, you know, I, the, the whole the hole that that they that they created was way too much to climb out of. And yet again, you know, Mike McCarthy is going to get another chance to to figure out how to how to win the playoffs. Uh, surprisingly, but uh, listen, this this is a really really interesting Green Bay team. I guess we'll transition right into the game in Santa Clara because you know I feel like the betting public was all over Dallas, and they're not on San Francisco, rightfully so. I mean, I I think that that this game. This game will be a little bit more challenging for Green Bay. Uh, I don't think the Niners defense will be on ice skates and blow coverages the way uh, that Dallas did. Um, I think that the the books are going to need the Niners. And I think I want to be on that side, Kyle. I think I really want to invest on 
the San Francisco money line with a parlay somehow on uh, uh, over the weekend. And may that be uh, Baltimore? Sure. But I think that's the trendy play for most money line parlay betters. I don't know if I want to get involved with both of those teams together necessarily. I'm not, I'm not opposed to it, but maybe I'll search for a college basketball play or a tennis play. I feel better about San Francisco than I do Baltimore. I don't have a good read why I do, but I think that that this coaching staff of San Francisco is going to really look at this tape and they're going to figure this out. They're going to realize, wow, you know, Green Bay is capable, but I don't know if Green Bay is capable to hang with San Francisco if the game somehow gets a little bit out of control. San Francisco is up early, 10 to nothing. I don't see Green Bay able to match points moving forward. Sure, they may score some, but I think San Francisco will score more and they'll score more because I think this Green Bay defense is Fugazi despite having a huge day, um, obviously, in Jerry's world last week. But I like the Niners a lot here. I think if you're going to lay the nine uh, right now, I think you're probably doing yourself a disservice or nine and a half, depends on where you shop. I think this line will will go south a little bit. I think that the the trendy play right now is Green Bay. So if you're if you're a Niners backer, I'd wait it out till kickoff. And if you're a Green Bay backer, I think you take it now. Yeah, I... So the simplest explanation is sometimes the best explanation for these. And it it might be a classic, a classic case of slip on the banana peel again and fall over. Like you talked about it's gambling. We hop on the horse and try again the next week. But of the eight teams remaining in the playoff, the 49ers have the best offensive unit and the Packers have the, the worst defensive unit. And that's a matchup that San yeah. Francisco should be able to exploit relatively easily. I know you could you could argue maybe the Texans have a worse defense, but I I think across the board the Packers are the worst defensive unit left in the playoffs. And so, I mean, if you're looking at what San Francisco does on offense, they are all about motion based offense and scheming open either Debo Samuel or George Kittle with motion type plays. Uh, obviously, Brandon Ayuk in there also kind of finds space in zones. And what the Packers do a lot of is running zone, and they haven't defended motion as well this year. And so, yeah, I mean, the, the, the most probable explanation is that the 49ers will come out. They will score on their first two drives of the game. Maybe Jordan Love has a response kind of like how uh, last year when Seattle played San Francisco in the playoffs, Seattle was winning at halftime because their offense was able to run with San Francisco. But then as the game kind of went along, it kind of broke down for them on the defensive side of the ball. San Francisco finished with like 40 something points in that game. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we came out and saw the Niners in the 30s in this game. It's also the highest over under, I believe, of the weekend, too. So I think Vegas kind of checks that box as well is that, you know, the 49ers are probably going to end up somewhere in the 30s when it comes to scoring. And it's going to take them making mistakes to to avoid that from happening, kind of like it did for Dallas, even though Dallas kind of at the end got to 30 by scoring when they were down 20 points against Green Bay. But I think most of the way you, you could expect them to get to 30. And the reason they won't get to 30 is is if they're just kicking field goals instead of scoring touchdowns. And maybe that's the strategy for the Packers. Yeah, I think the Dallas line and the Dallas number is way inflated, right? At the end of the game, I feel like Green Bay probably just hit the brakes and said, all right, let them score. We need to, we don't need to get injured. We don't need to tackle. You know, I, I think that, that you're not going to see that with San Francisco. And, you know, the thing about San Francisco, you, you mentioned it. I think their weaponry is by far superior to Baltimore. Like Baltimore, yes, they do have Lamar Jackson, but 
I just don't fear their weapons as much as I fear San Francisco. And I feel like D'Amico Ryans is capable as a, I think mean, he's been a great defensive coach. He's been a great defensive player. And I feel like, man, can we figure out Lamar Jackson somehow and, and let these other guys cook? We'll give it to them. You know, we'll give you your running backs, your four four running backs that you have in the backfield, including Cook, as I just mentioned, no pun intended. Like I, I just I just have confidence in Houston here to uh not necessarily win the game, but kind of feel good about that number there on the plus side um not not discounting baltimore as far as taking them on the money line but again going back to san francisco i just really like this team yes they've had a couple slip-ups yes they got really beat up by baltimore and bullied by baltimore i don't see that happening again with kyle shanahan i i, I think that this team will be ready to go and i feel very confident that they will navigate their way to the super bowl because i just don't see anybody left that can beat them yeah, uh, the the NFC, the only puncher's chance was the Cowboys. And, and now that the Cowboys are gone, there there's no one that's going to stop San Francisco from getting there. They are the best offense and maybe the best defense left in the NFC. If you kind of stop to think about it, they they are the best team with uh, a smoking gun in the NFC at this point. The Baltimore one is interesting because you mentioned their weapons real quick, like the thing that I thought was a great strategy, I've just been so fascinated by the way Baltimore has turned this thing around the last two years where they they are the blueprint for how do you pivot to a quarterback who is an MVP on the rookie contract to now we're paying him top of the market dollars and we're still able to build a successful roster around him. Like getting two new coordinators in the door three pro bowlers on defense between Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith and Kyle Hamilton. Just a tremendous job of turning that around. And, and the receivers, which you piqued my interest with that, is like the receivers aren't really top of the league level threats. But what's the best thing about them and why this has transformed a bit is every single one is different than the receivers of two years ago when we were saying it was the worst receiving room in the NFL and the Ravens couldn't support Lamar Jackson. Like, they just brought in new faces, invested a ton of draft capital. And I mean, first round pick on Rashad Bateman, first round pick on uh, Zay Flowers. They the Odell Beckham's making $15 million this year. They've invested significant capital in rebuilding the receiver room. And it seems to have paid out dividends just because they have different names in the door, different names than the guys who had the reputation of being bad. I, I think you're going to see Kansas City do something similar after this year where it's like, if your name isn't Rasheed Rice, you're going to be gone at the end of this season and they're going to kind of retool and rebuild that room. Maybe Sky Moore sticks around, but besides the point, like Baltimore comp- changing all the names in the room has transformed that offense a bit because they aren't this high-octane passing attack, but they don't need to be when you have that beefy offensive line and the the trio and now adding Dalvin Cook, the 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 four pack of running backs that they've been using all season on offense. It's it's been it, they are not as prolific on offense as they were with the 2019 team, but when you have the number one defense in the league, you can afford to have the number seven ranked offense in the league with a completely different receiver room. And uh I think in terms of the Texans side Vegas kind of agrees with you because that line started off, I think, at plus 350, and now it's down to about plus 310 on the Texans. Yeah, I think that, you know, if, if, if you're taking the Texans' money line, great, you know, good for you. Your values, your value, you've lost your value a little bit now, but I, th- I still think there's value at plus $3. And, you know, I think, you know, watching Baltimore play, I feel like, you know, they're, I just don't think they're, they, they, they are so good 
if the game is close and they have a lead. I'd just be curious to see what happens to Baltimore if a team, any of these teams left, Kansas City, Buffalo, Houston, navigate their way to a 14-3 lead. Just haven't been able to – I just don't see this team – If you have, do you have a lot of confidence in this offense to explode down 11, middle of the second quarter, and feel good about winning? I feel good about Buffalo doing that. I feel good about even – well, Kansas City, I don't know. Uh, I do feel good about San Francisco maneuvering their way down 11 as well. So that those are the, the – the elite teams can do that, that are remaining in this tournament, and that's where Baltimore scares me. And that's why if somehow Houston – can just play even money ball or take a six, seven point lead. I don't see Baltimore covering this, this number. I like the Texans plus the points in this game. See, it's funny that you brought that up because the formula for beating Lamar Jackson in the playoffs has been exactly that. You think back to to uh, his first season in 2018 when they were playing the Chargers. He didn't complete a pass for like two hours because they were trying to throw it all over the field. And remember, you you know, you could say it was Lamar Jackson's rookie season. He had seven total starts, all that, whatever. The next season, which is the 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 team where he won the unanimous MVP, they were 14 and two, number one seed in the AFC. What happened that year is after they went 97% on the season from fourth and two or less, they failed a fourth down conversion twice led to 14 Tennessee points. They also had an interception that like went through the hands of Mark Andrews and happened to go right to Kevin Byard. But they, they had three mistakes, got down 14-0, and the Titans were able to sit on the lead. Uh, 2020 against Buffalo, you'll remember this playoff game where they were. it was like they had ran the ball on every play and Josh Allen had thrown the ball on every play in the first half. And then Baltimore got to the red zone. Lamar threw a pick six, and that was the end of the game from there. That 14-point swing was the entire difference. So that's kind of been the formula is what you're talking about for beating Baltimore in the playoffs is get down 10-0 or 14-0 or 14-3 and then force them to have to throw the ball all over the yard. I think this team is more equipped to possibly come back from that, but I mean, the Texans' offense is prolific enough that they'll be able to ideally sit on the ball scheme themselves open and more importantly run some seven minute drives if they're able to get the lead in this game yeah i think houston has the the weaponry and the ability to run the ball uh with the lead and i, th- I think i think that if you're houston you kind of have to manage this game where you know it's so important to get the early lead and then you can play back and forth football if you can maintain a eight to ten point lead throughout the duration of the first half. So I, I think I think I think the Texans are gonna probably have to take a lead to cover the number at some point, right? Like I feel like if it you, your only chance for Houston to cover south of nine is probably to somehow maintain a field goal lead through the duration of the first two and a half quarters, right? And then they, if they're down seven to ten, then things can get murky. Stroud can make mistakes force some throws Baltimore gets that pick sets up Lamar Jackson with a short field that's where it gets a little scary as a Houston backer but hey this is why you play the game and this is why you have the opportunity to bet live you know you can bet yourself out of it uh if you don't like your pre-flop bet so uh you know and again you know that speaking of live and you know if we if we move on to you know for me Buffalo Kansas City
fires it. It's a wide open. Remarkable touchdown, Buffalo. Davis again. You throw a fourth TD. On a dime, you ain't got no fear of any Colts or Dolphins. Josh Allen gets Bills the wins. You want to play the Chiefs and to beat Andy Reid and his schemes, avenging your past mistakes and take the Bills to the big game. Three years, I thought you was phony. Got digs, then you flipped it on me. I was thinking you were Carson Wentz. You made your mark, became an MVP. Deep throws, always looking daunting. Tossed up to Davis and McKenzie. It's hard for teams to deny it. When Allen beats double safeties. You keep losing to Mahomes. Sitting on the bench, 13 to go. Overtime coin flips turned up wrong. Makes your season seem so marginal. And this year you'll find a way. Gonna get past Kansas City. Allen and the Bills are gonna be. Super Bowl champs 2023. Oh, I wanna run the ball, don't wanna slide, I just wanna dive. Send me the call, and I'll throw the ball. I wanna run the ball, don't wanna slide, I'm just gonna dive. Send me the call, and I'll throw the ball. You throw a fourth TD. On a dime, you ain't got no fear of any Colts or Dolphins. Josh Allen gets Bills the wins. You want to play the Chiefs and to beat Andy Reid and his schemes, avenging your past mistakes and take the Bills to the big game. It's a no play um, as a fan. Let's just start with that. I do like Buffalo. And I, I think I've been on your podcast now probably for three years, Kyle. And I've never really liked Buffalo versus Kansas City. Nope. Um, this is not the Kansas City team of, of the last four years. Listen, I mean, we, we, we could all agree to that. We agree that that Kansas City-Miami game was so hard for any team to walk into that environment that is not prepared uh, with that kind of weather. I think you could throw that out. I think if Miami plays Kansas City in Detroit under their dome, you know, hint, hint, Todd Bowles doesn't have to prepare for outdoor weather. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think that I think I think Miami wins that game. Pretty, you know, pretty pretty good chance. I would say that KC maybe. A, I don't even know if they're favorite. I would say it's a pick them, and I give Miami a very good puncher's chance to maybe even run them out of the gym in a dome you know, with all their weaponry, but that's not the case. So, yeah, I, I think the weather also doesn't help Buffalo if it is super windy or super cold. Uh, we saw what happened to them against Cincinnati one year ago. I don't like snow for this team. I don't know if they're going to be able to run all over Kansas City. They're going to have to throw the rock against Kansas City. So I, I think uh, if the weather is somewhat mild, I would lean towards Buffalo if I, I was betting the game. But why not go live? Why not go live in this game? This is the perfect game to go live because, listen, I've been a Bills fan my whole life, and we see this team, if, if the chips are down like the game against Cincinnati, if for some reason Mahomes is playing out of his mind, the defense is doing what they've been doing all year, playing pretty well, and somehow 
uh, MVS, uh, and, and, you know, and all the other receivers that have been horrible somehow catch balls, uh, on Sunday night. Yeah. I'd probably lean on Kansas city live, but pre-flop, I do like Buffalo in this spot. I think they're playing pretty damn good football. I don't think that they have played their best game against Pittsburgh and Miami. I think they played an incredible game against Dallas, a pretty bad game against New England. But if they figure this out, you know, they figure out how to play. And I think they're going to be pretty darn pumped, this 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 team and this fan base. Maybe call me square here, but I, I like the Bills' money line, but I'm not betting it. I understand. The last year was supposed to be Buffalo's best chance to get Kansas City because it was the best Buffalo team. This year, you feel like it's Buffalo has a good chance of of getting Kansas City because the game is in Buffalo. That seems to be the the biggest reason I've heard people say for why they will get Kansas City. Because to your point about the Dolphins, if you play in a dome or you play in South Florida, the game is more of a shootout. But the Dolphins were still starting Melvin Ingram and Justin Houston on the edges. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Kansas City they might have been able up. to move yeah. in there. Yeah, I don't. I just don't take that game too serious. If yeah. you're a better going into this this Sunday night, I throw away the Dolphins game, and you know you can you know I just don't look at that as something that really matters. I would say that their offense to me still was not that impressive. Uh, once again, you know, lining up for field goals on on many occasions where they should have scored touchdowns because they can't. They just don't have the weaponry, right? Um, and I could even say Travis Kelsey overall has been a very average performer at his position i mean who would you rather have right now uh I'm not, i know this sounds crazy but i don't know i mean who's the best tight end right now left in the playoffs and of the of the eight teams i, I don't know where we rank kelsey as far as performance the last six weeks he cannot be in the top three so i mean it's just the weaponry is just not there right now at the current moment but that could all change you know buffalo if they struggle to uh, defend kelsey uh then it's it's trouble for them yeah, and the thing that I thought was so interesting by, about Kansas City from the the Miami game, and maybe we could take something away from that, is they did essentially finally market correct and say, Rasheed Rice, Travis Kelsey, Isaiah Pacheco, and nobody else. We're just not going to trust anyone else in a big moment other than Rasheed, Kelsey, and Pacheco, and that'll get us, you know, by on the offensive side of the ball. Um, but the thing that I think is so interesting from the Buffalo standpoint, and, and there's so many interesting things, so many interesting storylines. This is, you know, the first time they've met in the playoffs since the infamous Josh Allen, 13 seconds to not enough time, maybe the greatest football game any of us have ever seen played. Uh, there's so many interesting storylines around it, but the thing that I think is interesting from Buffalo's point is this is the best Kansas City defense that they've had, but also Buffalo has finally established a running game for the first time in four years. Yep. Like it took Dayball leaving, it took Ken Dorsey losing that his job and kind of getting scapegoated as the the last run of the Will Sean McDermott get fired train. Essentially, he got fired as like the last scapegoat option to save the season, and they finally have picked up a running game. And that's so helpful because if this game were played last year and you had the Kansas City defense picking up steam the way it had, I mean, I would look at it and be like, well, Kansas City is going to have this great passing defense with McDuffie and Legereus Sneed. They're going to be able to cover the Buffalo receivers, and then it's going to be a lot of Josh Allen trying to run and scramble to get by. And I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case this year. So if there's an offense that that's 
ready to take apart Kansas City's defense, which, again, this is the best defense. Scoring defense-wise, DVOA defense, this is the best defense in the six years of Mahomes and Andy Reid. If you're going to pick an offense to pick that apart, it's this Buffalo team because they're finally able to run the football on top of, you know, their always prolific passing attack. Yeah, I just got to hold on to the ball, right, Cook? I mean, that's the thing. In, in big spots, we've seen Cook fumble the ball in some of those games in the middle of the season, just monster spots, that Denver game on Monday Night Football, which it's crazy. We sat there and we watched Monday Night Football back in week 10, whenever that was against Denver, and you're just like, wow, the season is crumbling. This season's over, and here we are today. Buffalo Bills, the number two seed, a chance to – you know, get to the AFC championship and possibly host the AFC championship. If Houston can pull off, you know, a huge upset, it's just, it's, it's crazy. And it really goes to show you that, you know, they changed their identity. Cook hasn't really fumbled a ton over the last six or seven games. And the threat of Josh Allen is still there. And yet we haven't seen him run a ton. We had it. We saw him run a, you know, we saw him make some big plays against Miami with, with his, with his legs. But I, I think that this team is good enough to somehow pick apart a very good Kansas City defense. I have a little more confidence in the Bills' offense than I do the Casey offense. And I think the defenses are pretty much a wash and a pick. I mean, Rasul Douglas is the key to all of this. And, you know, I haven't checked the health status of Douglas, but uh, maybe you can enlighten me. Is Douglas going to play uh, this game? Because without him, that's a huge difference maker for the Bills. Yeah, we'll look up what's going on with Rasul Douglas. But regardless of what happens... Um, with him and the Bills defense. I mean, the Bills defense is falling apart physically, but yeah. it should be, they should be able to to withstand some of these issues. Here, the, the injury report for the Bills has, uh, looks like Teron Johnson was a limited participant in practice. Rasul Douglas was able to participate. Uh, there's a few other ones in there, but I think it, oh, Kyer Elam is uh, looking like he's going to be there. Obviously, he was on injured reserve. Um, so I think Douglas. I think if Douglas plays, this Bills nucleus will be connected. They'll be fine. Douglas was the best. Honestly, I think the best trade the Bills have had in forever. You know, midseason that was a huge pickup for for Buffalo and. You know, I think one thing that maybe overlooked is, you know, you know, signing a, a punter off the streets. You know, I think, you know, our previous punter is now our, our new punter again. Can't remember his name. Is it is it Hawk? Matt Hawk, maybe? Matt um, Hack or Hawk, yeah. Matt Hack, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he he returns to Orchard Park for the first time in, in quite a few years. And, you know, listen, I'm sure he has plenty of reps over this week and he's a professional punter from years past, but that all changes when the lights are on and uh it's you know eight PM and it's a, the game is tied at 14 and you're just you got to make a punt from your own six yard line. What a difference maker that is to not have the guy that's been getting reps over the last 17, 18 weeks. That's a tough situation for Buffalo. So I think you have to consider that as something pretty scary, especially during the live betting market. If you see this guy shanking punts or not really, you know, getting them down where they need to go in the field position game is tilted towards KC. That could be a huge factor uh, betting live. But right now, I'm going to take that and just throw it away. And let's just assume that he is a professional punter. He had a very nice career with us in Buffalo prior to being cut or retired, whatever you want to say. Who knows? But um, I just feel like you want to take a look at that if you're in the live market. You're thinking special teams could play a factor, which, by the way, I looked up earlier. The weather looks like it's going to be about a high of 25 in Buffalo. No, uh, no 
crazy weather or anything like that. I I don't know about wind being a factor, but it's not going to be the brutal cold like it was last week. It's it's going to be somewhere in the 20s, which, you know, the field doesn't have any of those heat coils underneath it, so it will be cold, but I I don't think that sways it in either direction for either of those guys. I mean, Patrick Mahomes has won snow games before. Josh Allen's won games in the cold before. It's 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 pretty fine, pretty normal. All of it should be pretty straightforward when it comes to Buffalo playing against Kansas City in a, in a cold yeah, weather environment. I think the snow really did cripple the Bills last year against the Bengals because they had Joe Mixon and you know Cook wasn't wasn't the right guy at the time, right? I mean, he's made a huge jump and, and improvement. Uh, since 2022-2023. So I think they had a huge advantage on that side of the ball in heavy snow. And, um, yeah, that that scares me a little bit here, but I, I, I'm not going to take it too serious. And it looks like that's not even going to be the case. So let's let's just hope for, you know, no, no snow, no major wins, and let's see who the better team is. I am so excited for that game. I know you are so excited for that game. It's Patrick Mahomes' first road playoff game, which is kind of incredible. And in the 12 12- home AFC playoff games he's played. He has never ended the fourth quarter losing a game, which is kind of incredible. His only two losses were in overtime. It's, it's absolutely incredible what they've been doing and how they've kept that, that whole machine alive the last few years. Uh, It's going to be so interesting to watch that that game is, I mean, it's the, it's the primetime game, which I think was going to happen either way because of how late the bills had to play in, in the rescheduled Monday game. But I, it's just going to be so amazing to watch Kansas City play at Buffalo, which I will also point out, not in a salty way, that if Kadarius Tony lines up onside, this exact same game is being played in Buffalo. <laughs> I'm sorry, in Kansas City in this Kansas weekend. City, yeah. And uh, yeah. that's it's just such small margins for the reason why we now have Mahomes playing the first road playoff game of his career. It's fascinating how it all, you know, uh, crumbles. And I want to thank Kadarius Tony and the Florida Gators and everyone who's part of his camp and his family for doing that because uh, we we desperately needed to play this game. I think in Orchard Park, I think the advantage is is there to be at home against these Chiefs who have just an incredible fan base and make it very difficult to navigate as a road team at Arrowhead. Yep, and uh, we're going to have an amazing game in the in-between. We'll see what happens there. Last one on the docket, uh, the Buccaneers at the Lions. Anything interesting that you see coming out of that game? The line right now is leaning in favor of Detroit by nearly a touchdown, which I guess makes some sense, but we 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 hardly saw any lines last week that creeped up to six and a half, and uh, this is the the second closest line of the weekend, and it's still six and a half Lions. Yeah, and this is where I like the NFC Moneyline Parlay here more than I do the Ravens. Uh, I, I kind of like Detroit here. I think they'll be a little nervous, right? A lot. I mean, all the pressure on Detroit, a home game uh, in, in, in round two, which hasn't happened since, you know, gosh, what, 1905 it feels like, right? So <laughs> I, I, think the, I think Todd Bowles, as bad as a coach as I always thought he was, I mean, he's rolling right now. He, he, the team is playing very loose. Baker Mayfield's playing uh, football like he's at the University of Oklahoma with a little bit of swag. I like that out of Baker. Uh, running games alive with White. Uh, Michael Evans probably underrated as maybe a top five wide receiver that no one ever talks about in the last five, six years by far. 
you know, if, if God Chriswin could actually emerge, you know, I know he had a touchdown, but this guy's really good. You know, I call him God Chriswin. Chriswin. I, I, I stole that from uh, the guru, John Hanson. But yeah, Chris Godwin from Illinois. This kid's so good. It's just kind of no-shows a lot of games. Kind of reminds me of Gabe Davis, where Gabe Davis is going to have the the seven for 120 and two touchdown game, and then adios for four straight games. That's kind of Chris Godwin in a nutshell. But I don't know if they have the weaponry to match points. This Detroit offense is really good. You forget about Jamison Williams as a as a number three. Josh Reynolds having a huge year as a number two. St. Brown, I think, is a top receiver in the league. And then you can switch off with Montgomery, and Gibbs, it's a really good duo right there, kind of like your thunder and lightning running back core. And I got to give it to Goff. I mean, God, I mean, yeah, he makes mistakes, but when jo- when when Jared Goff is on, he is on, and I just like him better than Baker. I trust the lines here. Don't know if I trust seven points. I probably can go south of seven and feel okay about it. But Kyle, I think the money line parlay for me more than likely is going to be San Francisco Detroit together. Probably going to pay minus 180 to marry them together. I'm okay with that. That's good value to me. I think those two two teams emerge, and we're going to see them both compete uh, on Sunday in Santa Clara. It's funny because when the Lions played the Rams, and I've said this like all year with the Lions, that like the one thing I know for certain that's going to happen with the Lions is they're going to be up 7-0. They always yeah. score oh. a touchdown on the first drive of the game, and and. I don't see any reason why that won't keep up this week. They always, always get a touchdown when Ben Johnson has the scripted plays for the first 10 to 15 of the game. They always end up getting a touchdown. It's remarkable how good that offense is at the start of the game. That dome's going to put a lot of pressure on Baker. It's going to be loud. I I can't even think of a stadium that is going to illustrate more passion than the Lions this weekend. I would say the Bills fans are rowdy. They like to go through tables and fire, but I just think that line fan base is deserving of a winning team, a team that has a chance to compete for a title and a final four appearance. It's going to be loud in there for Baker. I trust Detroit in this spot. I think it makes sense because Tampa Bay's defense has stepped up at times. And and I've been joking to some other people who need to make their own Todd Bowles apology because of how good that defense has looked this season. But I, I just I don't think they're going to be able to slow down Detroit. And I don't think their offense their offense will be able to move the ball on Detroit. That is something that is certain because they I mean, you mentioned God Chris Wynn, as you like to joke that you mentioned him a second ago. It's the same formula that happened with the with the Rams game where the Lions only have one competent NFL cornerback. I'm not even saying good cornerback, just one competent yeah. cornerback on their team. And so what the Rams did with two receivers is, oh, you're going to have branch and Sutton cover cup we're going to throw to Puka Nakua without pause and Puka Nakua completed every single one of his nine targets until the last play of the game on the third and 14 where Cam Sutton gave them one defensive stop and that one defensive stop was all they needed to survive that game when they just needed the one timely stop on Puka Nakua and they got it so I think it's a similar formula. You can let God Chris win run wild in that secondary. You can let Kate Otten, as as I like to call him, um, the fake Gronk. You can let fake Gronk run around out there and make catches. But as long as you get those timely stops in key situations, Tampa's not going to be able to match points with you. 
Yeah, I think that's kind of the script there. I think in between the 20s, Tampa Bay is going to move the ball, right? And I feel like, you know, Detroit somehow can lock down inside the red zone and, and force field goals from Tampa Bay. I, I, I like this Detroit defense when it comes down to big plays. I think they're going to get to Baker as well. I think they have an incredible, you know, defensive line that can put some pressure on this Buccaneer offensive line. And listen, I've watched Tampa Bay play a lot. I mean, I, I the game against uh, Carolina and Charlotte, the nine zero victory, that that just wasn't impressive with this offense. I mean, I, I just I don't. They're not going to be able to match points with Detroit. The bottom line is it comes down to that. And I think if you are a Tampa backer plus seven or six and a half or seven and a half. You got a chance here. You got a chance to backdoor. You could be down 11 and the game is out of sight with 302 to go. And sure, you get that touchdown at the end of the game with 42 seconds left and you're good to go. But I just, I, I, I'm rolling with this money line. I'm rolling with uh, the Motor City here. And I'm really excited to see what Detroit can do at San Francisco. And, and listen, if I'm wrong about the Niners, I, I'm how exciting would Green Bay versus Detroit be in Detroit? Wow. Ooh, I would. I don't know what I would do if San Francisco lost this weekend. That that would be, that would be a worse collapse than the than the Cowboys. I'm just going to go out and say it because you know I was just talking about how from 20 to 20 the Lions will be okay as long as they get timely stops because they only have one competent corner and Brian Branch who is very good but also a rookie. Uh, counterpoint to that is against San Francisco. Oh boy, they are going to get smoked on defense by that San Francisco yep. offense. I mean, you bring one competent corner against Devo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Jawan Jennings, and George Kittle. Oh boy, it's going to be a long day for you, San Francisco or Detroit. <laughs> yeah, so, tough, tough matchup. So I, I would, I would say that the, the, the books have to make the, the San Francisco south of 10 but I really think that the number should be between nine and a half and 10 and a half. I think green Bay has a better chance to stop the Niners at times than Detroit may. So I, I think you're going to look at a similar line. I think the Lions really pose no more additional threat as far as the overall body of work than green Bay. I think you're going to see, um, I would say it should be San Francisco nine to nine and a half against Detroit and probably 11 and a half against Tampa Bay. Man, that's crazy to think about that. The the Niners are going to be double digit favorites in a possible NFC championship game. That team is that team is the best in the NFL. I've been saying that all year. I know Baltimore was, you know, a couple of one score games away from being undefeated. But that that San Francisco team is the best in the NFL this year. And they cool. should be the team I, yeah. in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I think they, they, they are the best team in the NFC by a mile. I do think Buffalo and Baltimore can give them a game. Uh, obviously, Baltimore may even be favored on a neutral. They ran them out of the gym five, six weeks ago. Why not, right? But uh, the Buffalo Bills would, 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 would have a chance. They'd have a puncher's chance because they could, they could score with, with the Niners. They have enough weaponry to do that. Uh, and their defense is respectable and I think better than the, the remaining three NFC teams that are in the tournament. So uh, I think that – I think the, the NFL would love to see, I would imagine, Buffalo in the Super Bowl. I think the Bills would just invade Las Vegas and the Niners. Boy – what a, what a Buffalo Bills, San Francisco Super Bowl, what kind of revenue would be brought in for that would be off the charts. But I still think that uh, Baltimore would bring a lot of appeal to the table as well. So, yeah, I, you know, as far as the, the plays go this week, I, the, the, the dog I like the most is Houston. Uh, I hope I'm right there for people that follow this. And um, I, I kind of sort of like Tampa as a dog against the spread, sort of. It's like a 50-50 for me. 
Uh, and you know, I, I just my my favorite money line parlay for value and confidence though is Detroit and San Francisco. All right, we'll follow up and see how that turns out. Also, we'll check in sometime during those two weeks around the Super Bowl, and uh, we'll we'll see how everything panned out for you, and uh, see if once again it will be Patrick Mahomes breaking the heart of you, tormented lifelong Buffalo Bills fan. We'll we'll have to check in and see what happened after the Super Bowl. But Razor, thank you so much for coming on. I'm so appreciative that we got to talk to you before this giant weekend of football. I hope everything goes well for you, and you stay warm and and that you have a fantastic rest of your week. I appreciate it, Kyle. Listen, go Bills. Good luck to everybody that that wagers on these games. Enjoy it. It's almost over. So, you know, have fun with it. Be responsible. And uh, let's get Buffalo versus Tampa in the Super Bowl. What do you think? I think we'd be in good shape there, Kyle, if that game was in Las Vegas. Buffalo versus <laughs> Tampa. Is that the most chaotic Super Bowl version? Uh, no, I think I think Houston. Uh, Houston Tampa would be yeah, uh, that's, total chaos. Yeah. That would be yeah, that would that be would. a chaos scenario. If you get Baker Mayfield going up against CJ Stroud, yeah, that would be that would be a chaos scenario. Also, I feel like Packers that would be kind of chaos cuz that would that would entail them not only beating the the Niners in a giant upset but then also ruining Detroit's chance of going to their first Super Bowl ever, which would just be magical if that was the if that was the 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 long to- way of Lions fans to be tormented, was a Packers team that's not even good beating them in the <laughs> NFC Championship game. Well, I'll throw one more curveball before I exit your pod. How about the two Bay teams winning this this week in the in the championship played over in uh, Hillsborough County in Tampa, Florida? I mean, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, the two Bay teams, and Tampa gets the home <laughs> game. It's incredible. Huh? A lot of a lot of bizarre scenarios. The Bills can host the AFC Championship game as well. So you know, a lot a lot of fun on the line. Kansas City can you know KC Buffalo. Uh, a miracle could happen with Houston winning and then the Chiefs and the Bills would host the, the game. It's just a lot. There's a lot to unfold. Listen, something crazy is going to happen. I mean, there, there, there is going to be an upset in this tournament, I think, over the weekend. Um, it seems like it happens every year in, in, in the quarterfinals, right? Between these divisional games. Like, someone goes down. Um, and it's just really hard to predict who that may be. But, if, you know, I think the short, the short, easy answer would be the Bills, right? Because they're mm-hmm. only laying a field goal and, you know, that, that wouldn't be too chaotic. But uh, someone's going down. A favorite's going down. Hopefully it's not my Moneyline Parlay. And hopefully it's not your Buffalo Bills. And my Bills, of course. Of course. Let it be the Ravens. That's what I want. Yeah, yeah that's pretty much uh, what it is. It's just not an yeah. NFC team and not your Buffalo Bills. So let it <laughs> be right, Baltimore. That's right. Maybe, maybe betting so- with your heart a little bit on that. <laughs> I am betting with my heart. It's probably not happening, but listen, it's always fun to, to think that way. And I appreciate your time as always to let me come on and uh, let's do it again before the Super Bowl. You throw a fourth TD on a dime. You ain't got no fear of any Colts or Dolphins. Josh Allen gets Bills the wins. You want to play the Chiefs and to beat Andy Reid and his schemes, avenging your past mistakes and take the Bills to the big game. Three years, I thought you was phony. Got digs, then you flipped it on me. I was thinking you were Carson Wentz. You made your mark, became an MVP. Deep throws, always looking daunting. 
tossed up to Davis and McKenzie. It's hard for teams to deny it. When Allen beats double safeties, you keep losing to Mahomes. Sitting on the bench, 13 to go. Overtime coin flips turned up wrong. Makes your season seem so marginal. And this year you'll find a way. Gonna get past Kansas City. Allen and the Bills are gonna be Super Bowl champs 2023. Oh, I wanna run the ball, don't wanna slide, I just wanna dive. Send me the call, and I'll throw the ball. I wanna run the ball, don't wanna slide, I'm just gonna dive. Send me the call, and I'll throw the ball you throw. A fourth TD On a dime you ain't got no fear of any Colts or Dolphins Josh Allen gets Bills the wins You want to play the Chiefs And to beat Andy Reid and his schemes Avenging your past mistakes And take the Bills to the big game Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.